genre. Come to think of it, maybe Leo's fiance was the friends we made along the way. Welcome to Beyond Geek by Night, where we've been discussing each episode of the Geek by Night podcast. On today's show, we'll be discussing the 35th episode of Comic Cons. So make sure you Google Gibson's Kevin Eastman and Man Without Fear reference. I sure did, because we're about to go Beyond Geek by Night. I'm your host, Matt Bennett. And here is our awesome panel. I am joined, as always, by writer and creator Scott Corelli. Hi, hi, hi. Writer and executive producer Nick Jimenez. Hello. Director of Comic-Cons and voice of Gwen Allen, Ray Russo. Hello. And voice of Leo Dobbs, Billy McCartney. Well, hi. (laughs) In this episode, Comic-Cons, we witness the fallout of the revelation that Simon has been using an android body. His friends respond compassionately, and Simon is overjoyed to see that Victor has safely escaped his exile, which he spent with Atlas, who also makes it out. Not only that, Simon has made an android body for Victor. Leo Dobbs, who works in publicity, contacts the underdogs and informs them that they are expected at the McKinney City Comic Con, a.k.a. MC3. Frazzled and rushed after realizing they completely forgot about the con, the team makes their way to the convention center, where the Swift sisters and overachievers have also found themselves. As Leo shows the underdogs their new costumes, which are featured on the Geek by Night podcast thumbnail, as well as on t-shirts available at the Dueling Genre merch store, wink wink, (laughs) Dr. Medina clashes with the mysterious David and Nathan Gershwin over their continued partnership. According to Leo, Swift Industries and Nostalgia Entertainment have merged, and they are announcing their new product, The Game. All groups converge around the main stage as the presentation begins. And as he is introduced, we learn that the mysterious David is, in fact, David Holt, Simon's dad. Who could have guessed? (laughs) Who could have possibly have guessed on this very podcast? So I I was thinking about that, too, and I was talking to Chelsea about it because I I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm the first time I'm going through these episodes is when they are released on Patreon. I'm try, I, I try to wait until I, there's a finished product. So mm-hmm. I did not know that it was Simon's dad. And um, it was just kind of like one little line that I used, but a part of you. Uh, knew. Yeah. <laughs> right. I knew inside. <laughs> yes. I felt it deep down. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to talk about um, a theme that, that keeps coming up this season. Um, family. Uh, we, we met Max's mom a couple episodes ago. We have a lot of development between the Swift sisters. And now we have the reveal that the mysterious David is David Holt. What led to the decision to focus so much on family this season? Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's just like a, uh, a sort of hanging chad from ideas that we had for season two originally because like season one was all about like who are these people <laughs> and then we were going to be like now in like season two our thought was well where did they come from like now we know who they are but where did they come from who made these people who in- was involved in their lives that made them the people that they are um and that was always the plan for when we were doing like a full-blown season two rather than like what we're doing now which is sort of like one big series finale when it when it wasn't the final season of the show right Mm. that was kind of going to be season two's modus operandi we had like we were gonna have an episode where gwen went to a high school reunion Mm -hmm. for example Hmm. and 
And so like one of the conversations was like, oh, Simon's dad. Yeah. What's who what's his deal? <laughs> and, you know, and, and 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 he's also a carryover from the classic show. Right. But hmm. so, yeah, like, like, like but with a different name, but with a very different name. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, confusingly, Henry. Right. No, Charles. Charles. The Charles. Manatee. The manatee. We named the manatee Charles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's so kind of carryover from like, you know, the stuff that we still that still worked and still interested us. Yeah. And also, you know, I think on a on a somewhat like, you know, the show is sort of about these people experiencing th- that weird arc of your twenties and your thirties. And I think a part of being of that is kind of finding your family or finding out what family means to you. And also Mm -hmm. reckoning with your family and realizing that they make a lot of mistakes because they're all just human and coming to that conclusion um, of that. I think that's the journey of our twenties for a lot of people (laughs) is just realizing that our family is not perfect um, and that maybe we're not in a normal family and what is a normal family <laughs> and what does any of that look like and um, therapy, um, and, uh, <laughs> therapy what? Uh, you know, yeah. and so, and we, so we, yeah, yeah. we see that all over from Gretchen being like, well, where do I want my lines to be? Where do mm-hmm. I want to put my, my fence down mm-hmm. or Mindy or, or the Swift sisters, like Lorelai making the active choice of like, I want to be in my sister's life. I'm done doing this thing that we've been mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. even before all the crazy secret stuff, you know? And so, yeah, I think in a lot of different ways, that's what all of the characters are kind of like reckoning with. One of my favorite moments in this whole episode is when it's Mindy and Gip and, and Jeff, like chuckling over like a, a like an eighth grade joke. Yes, like your body's ready. <laughs> yes, Victor's body's ready. Yes, yes. yes. His body is ready. Because it's like one it's of like, the rare. Oh, they are siblings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And then I just want to. I just want to. I want to see if anyone catch. If, if anyone understands the joke of why David is named David. No, because it's the chipmunk's dad. Oh my no. God. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Where's Alvin and Theodore? We yes. talked about it for sure. That we, was those are conversations that we had. Billy, you almost played one of those characters. Uh, oh my god, we, I'm dying. Yeah, because original, because originally in season two, when we were going to talk about like um, their origins, the, the family, and, yeah. he was going to have siblings, and one was going to be named Vin, and the other one was going to be named Theo, yeah. and you were going to play Theo, <laughs> which is why this. your name I is Leo. <laughs> In the new show. <laughs> and uh, Simon and Vin were going to have a very tumultuous relationship. <laughs> yes. Wow. Cass was very excited about that. Uh-huh. And, oh, and yeah, God. then it kind of fell by the wayside. But yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> so it all, it all grew out of a stupid chipmunks joke. But yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Alvin! Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, Billy, you have never been Hi. on Beyond with me. I haven't. I'm... But here I am. It's the best. I'm very glad yes. to be here. <laughs> My first question to everybody yeah. on the first time they're on here is, uh, how did you get involved with Geek by Night? Geek by Night? I I think I submitted to write on season one, and then I did write on season one, mm-hmm. which was very cool. Uh, I worked quite a bit on the Friends and Enemies episode with these people, which is very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, you're right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, remember oh this is, this is the full the friends day. and enemies gang. Yep. Oh my yeah. god, we're all here. And I hadn't thought about writing that in a while, but just literally just sitting here right as we started, I remembered if I if I remember correctly, I was gonna do one last pass at it before I sent it to Scott and Nick, and I couldn't get the file 
to like open in a script writing program. So I printed out like a hundred and something pages and I retyped the whole thing in like one manic session, making edits as I went. And that was like the last time I worked on it. And I was just like, there you go. Uh, and then a few months later it existed, which was very cool. And then season two, this was, um, I was very lucky that Nick and Scott just asked me to play this role sight unseen. Um, and it's been a blast. I'm obsessed with Leo. Uh, I love playing him. Uh, it's a lot of fun. This episode, I especially. adore you. I adore you. Like <laughs> listening to your takes is one of like the great joys of directing this show. <laughs> Have so I, uh, before we go, yeah, we, go ahead. Go ahead. We we made the we made the character for you. It wasn't That's exactly it wasn't, what I was going to ask. Yeah, it was not. It was not that we gave you the part sight unseen. It's that we built the part for you. I mean, um, because I knew that I it knew felt weird to say it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We wrote the part for you because we, I even pitched it to you very early on where I was like, yes. Hey, you're going to have a part on the show. And what, what, what did I say? It was, uh, uh, oh man. What was the, what was the combination of characters? Like Edna we, mode. Yes. And yes. I can't remember Edna mode. And um, was the guy Billy, who played Timon. It's about Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. Yes. Yes. Billy okay, Eichner yes. meets, <laughs> yeah, specifically Parks and Rec. Billy Eichner. It also yeah. was that. It was. It was. Um, you're going to play this, which was great. It wasn't an offer. It was a, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was a demand. But it was. Yeah. But no. Immediately, I think just the first episode of season two where you meet him, I was like, oh, this I like. This I'm here for. <laughs> have Have any of you who've directed episodes listened past where I have no more lines? On the files yes. I sent you. Yes, but I don't remember what you're, you're referring to. On, on every single episode, and I don't know why I started doing this, uh, I would say, thank you so much. This is I'm Billy McCartney. You've been listening to radio, whatever. And then I play a song like I'm a DJ oh, yeah. <laughs> sitting at the yes. end. Um, so if you have the files, they're all there. I don't know why I started doing it, but I think I've done it for every single one so far. <laughs> I have not had the honor of hearing that because I haven't directed an episode yet. Ooh, I'll make you something stupid. It'll be good. Okay. <laughs> Great. Are are you gonna direct an episode this season? Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm not wanting to create a bottleneck <clears throat> situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying not to direct anything until toward the end, um, because then then at that point it's like then it's just all me and and I could just you know get the work done. But mm-hmm. I don't want anybody waiting on me, so that's yeah. why I'm waiting until it's all part last. of the the careful production plan that so far has been going pretty well yeah so far (laughs) (laughs) uh Uh, billy had you done voice acting before or is this the first time you've done something like this look at me thinking like it's a uh uh, no actually i don't think because i haven't yeah this is this has kind of been the first foray um it's yeah you know what this is it this is why it's been such a great opportunity because legit i have learned so much just in these few episodes I've been in just about recording and audio quality. And I only screwed up once where the, the takes were bad. Uh, all the other ones have been good, but yeah, I've just so much. And then about performance too. My favorite thing to do is listen to, uh, listen to what takes get picked. Um, because I try to do a lot of different things. I was very happy in this episode that you chose the take. I was shocked you did it. The take where I whispered Kevin when I was talking about the intern. I loved it. It was great. It was, yeah. His name, Kevin. And that, I mean, 
that's my favorite because I fully it wouldn't be I when I did that I was like this will just be to make them laugh like it's not a big deal uh, it's just for fun I have to put a couple good takes in here we'll throw this one in and the, the I just love to see that how it comes together and what other people pick apart from what I send out I don't know why but I saw like a hand gesture that went with it and that's why I took it <laughs> <laughs> Our, our directors, like, almost always, if there's a weird take, that's the one that's going in. Like, almost <laughs> always. Cool. Yeah. So oh, uh, I mean, I can tell. <laughs> Ray, you said you love um, d- directing Billy. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, was the, what was the most fun scene to direct in this episode? Oh, my God. Um, the scene with... Max and Joel and Lorelai on, mm-hmm. on the phone. Something about that scene was just, it was so different from the rest of the episode that it was just like such a delight because a lot of these scenes are very like, very character heavy. I have like 10 different tracks open. Cause like, what was it? the one where they're on the convention floor? It, there's mm-hmm. no breaks in it. It's just like everyone, one conversation mm-hmm. moving into another, moving into another. And so that was a lot. And then this really rather tight scene with a good comedic punch at the beginning and the good comedic punch at the end with the, can I take a break? <laughs> I don't know. That was just, it was really fun. <laughs> From a writing perspective, Scott and Nick, is is there any special um, like challenges or, or interest with uh, writing um, an episode where all these characters are together? I mean, all these scenes have... 10 people, everybody's really, I mean, converging in the same physical space. Um, Is it different to write scenes where everyone's participating or? I, uh, I kind of have what I call, what I think of as my cat mom and home alone moments where I'll get to the end of a scene (laughs) and be like, this is a great scene. There's some really good stuff in here. Victor. (laughs) I forgot Victor. And then I have to like go back and realize that I, he just hasn't said anything in like 30 pages. He's just standing there silently <laughs> in the scene. But you know what? Yeah. I feel like he would just like, yeah, this is my lot in life. This is my yeah, lot he's in like, life to be forgotten. So that's kind I'm of the – and it, Yeah, definitely. And so that's kind of the muscle that you have to get into is asking yourself, especially in these two episodes, is like, okay, who's there? What do they want? What are they, what's keeping, and that's kind of the earliest conversations that the three of us had about these episodes is now that, especially the overachievers, now that they're out of prison, the Supermax, what's keeping them together? What's stopping Madison from just being like, all right, bye, Audi 5000, you know? And so like, that's kind of the challenge. And and even with the, with the underdogs is always making sure that you're honoring each of the characters and not forgetting what they're fighting for besides the service of the, of the plot you're trying to get through, you know? Ray, you've mm-hmm. been working on Keep My Night for a very long time. And there's only yes, a I couple have. episodes left. Um, how do you feel about the show coming to an end? Um, it's going to be weird, because Geek by Night has been a part of my life since I was... Oh my god, I was in college. And I'm past my 10-year <laughs> yeah. reunion at this point. And I have changed so much as a person. I feel like I have consistently been more queer than Gwen the entire time. Because <laughs> in the original version of the show, I was out as like gay, bi, I don't know what the, what the hell I was. 
<laughs> but she was straight and I was gay. And by the time this iteration came around, Gwen is now a queer woman. And I'm like, hi, I'm non-binary. I'm not even a girl anymore. <laughs> um, so it's just been really fun. And I've been really attached to Gwen as a character. I feel for her so much. But I am glad that the show is going to have like a real ending because mm-hmm. the first time it just kind of got like left dangling there because mm-hmm. so many things happened and just to have like a real solid bow on the end of geek by night in my life i think will be nice yeah so uh i want to shift gears to something um a little more fun um the I want to talk about uh, conventions. You know, th- this is a show that is very um, celebratory of uh, geek culture and you know passion projects and things like that. Um, so I wanted to go around the room and ask uh, what everybody's experience with uh, conventions are, or um, maybe what was your favorite convention that you've been to. Um, I used to go to G Fest a lot, the the Godzilla convention, um, and I went every mm. every year for six or seven years, like 18 to G Fest 17 or 18 to 22. And um, those are always so great because it's um, everybody who's a Godzilla fan has been a Godzilla fan since they were like five. And it's it's just been a part of their life forever. Um, So it's really great being around people like that, that it's, it's just in their DNA. Um, And it's just a very, very homey feeling to be around a lot of people like that. So I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I miss, I miss G-Fest. Um, and hopefully I can, I can start going back. Uh, Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Whenever. One whenever. day. <laughs> well, I was saying Somehow, earlier, somewhere. I know I was saying earlier that in the last 13 years, not counting this year because COVID nonsense, I have only missed Dragon Con once. Uh, so so cool. I have been at least a dozen times. Um, and it really is kind of like the high point of my year. It is Halloween and Christmas and my birthday all rolled into one. (laughs) And, you know, I started with the Buffy fandom and I moved into the Battlestar Galactica fandom. And then I moved into the comics fandom and I can still keep going and there's still people there. And there's still like, just because of the, general breadth of that con and how it covers pretty much everything you could possibly think of. (laughs) Um, Of course, it gets to be like, you know, 80,000 people in in several buildings and it's very crowded and (laughs) loud and I've had to learn how to manage manage myself um, (laughs) so that I don't get irritated and yell at everyone I'm staying with. (laughs) But it's like, I don't know, it's you meet the people you see online and you talk to online all year round and you all come together and get this one beautiful, crazy, slightly drunk weekend together. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly drunk. What am I saying? It's Dragon Con. Everyone's toasted all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) It's the party con. Everyone knows it. (laughs) Well, uh, the only like proper... I've never been to a proper Comic-Con, which is kind of a bummer, especially now that I've been in L.A. for a few years. But 
I have been <laughs> to RuPaul's Drag Con twice, yes. and it was a blast nice. and a half. It's it it's a it was a treat. Um, uh, it's just three days at the LA Convention Center. The first time I went was the first time they moved into the really big space, hmm. uh, and it's just not only like contestants from the show and like celebrities who've been on it, um, all the drag queens, but also just like a ton of queer artists and entertainers. Um, selling their stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of people who have like really cool online shops are there and they have boots and you can buy all their queer artwork and all that cool stuff. Uh, and then they have workshops. Well, not workshops. Actually, no, they do. That's a lie. I don't go to, I, I don't do drag. So I didn't go to any like wig workshops, but those exist. Um, That's really cool. But it's, a, you know, then there's just like panels and I've, I've done a lot of cool things. I bumped into Nicole Byer one year, um, uh, bought a lot of weird artwork which is always a treat. That's what you always want in the apartment. The, my favorite thing is in my living room, our main centerpiece is this giant map of Australia with two drag queens, like cartoon heads on it. Um, and it says the kangaroo girls. And that was because when I went to DragCon, I bumped into the night before this Australian drag queen named, uh, it's the best name ever, Karen from Finance. And... Uh, <laughs> At DragCon, she was like, hey, me and Art Simone here, we have to go back to Australia. And this sign was really expensive and we don't want to throw it away. Do you know anyone who would like it? And I was like, I would like it. And they signed it for us and we took it home. And now it's like the living room art piece is our RuPaul's DragCon Australian <laughs> drag queen awesome. booth art. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Scott, what about you? Yeah, I've mostly done like Midwest conventions. I haven't been any to any since I've come out here. Um, mostly ones in Chicago. I've been to a few in Florida, but um, I I I think the first convention I ever went to was a Star Trek convention with my dad when I was a little kid. Um, That's so cool. And I fell asleep during a <gasps> panel that we were in the front row for with the whole cast of the original series. And I fell asleep and I have no memory of it, but I know that it happened because, um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been to a bunch of, uh, cons. The, my favorite one that I've ever been to was probably, um, a, uh, wizard world convention in 2000, either six or seven, I think seven. Um, y Yeah. When did Dark Knight come out? Did it come out in 07 or 08? It was 08. Uh, 08? 08? Okay. Okay. So it would have, it would have been 07. Um, hmm. we, they had a Dark Knight panel uh, at this Chicago comic convention, Wizard World Chicago. Um, and we stayed, like me and my friends all went and we got in line first thing in the morning for the panel. And we like did shifts where like, you know, there'd be two of us in line while the other ones shopped or whatever. And then we would come back and take the, so we were first in and it was pretty small, the room. It wasn't like a big ballroom because it, it was like Chicago. It wasn't, you know, like San Diego or anything. It was a pretty mm -hmm. small room. And, um, they started moving us in and they had us go all the way to the end, like at the wall. And we were like, but we were here all day. We want to sit in front of the in front of the stage where the people are going to be. That's why we're here. And, you know, the convention worker who is probably getting paid minimum wage or, is, or worse as a volunteer, um, you know, couldn't give <laughs> less of a shit uh, and was like, no, you're going to go to the wall because that's what I was told to tell everyone to do and whatever. And then um, the president of D.C. at the time had passed us a bunch of times mm -hmm. in the hallway and came out and was like, no, no, no. 
they can sit wherever they want, <laughs> which cool. was like really cool. And then we ended up being like front row uh, for like the first footage of the Dark Knight anyone had ever seen. Uh, and, uh, it was interesting because there was stuff in the trailer that we watched, which we were only allowed to watch one time because everyone was like one more time, one more time. And Nolan backstage was like, no, no more times. No, once, we got once, um, because he's Christopher Nolan. Uh, and, uh, we got to see an alternate introduction to Two-Face, which was like in someone's office, not in a bar. Um, it was like somebody came home to their office and he was like sitting in their office, like waiting for them to come in. And it was the same dialogue, but it was a completely different scene. Uh, and cool. that, that blew the roof off because no one even knew the two face was going to be in the movie <laughs> at this point. Um, everyone knew about the Joker and knew that he was playing Harvey Dent, but they didn't know that he was going to be two face. And so this was like the first indication of that. So that was probably like my, that's my fond, fondest, like comic con memory. So, um, is, four, is doing yeah. That. yeah yeah so it's it's pretty cool this episode writing this episode and the next episode which is kind of like part two and also in a comic convention um was was difficult for us uh, to a certain extent because i kind of had to pick up the lack of experience that nick had because nick's never been to a convention before it's too busy smoking cigarettes and <laughs> <laughs> being cool being cool yeah <laughs> Making fun of the kids who went to the <laughs> sure, yeah, stealing their my leather t birds jacket, <laughs> yeah. So, there's like, com- there's like any any kind of like Comic Con, like inside baseball stuff in these two episodes, all comes from me because Nick had no idea, sure. Like, all the great like Cosmo stuff, of yeah, like, the, oh, the, the spiral, spiral pattern, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually. I got that. I got that from someone that I that I I knew about at a con. Like I I used to work at a comic book shop, and um, uh, uh, one of the customers told me about the spiral method, and I was like, I don't think that makes any sense, but I good on you, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just used it for this, and it would make sense to somebody like Cosmo who's been right there thirty years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So. So before we get to shout outs, um, does anyone have any other um, interesting like tidbits or facts about this episode? Well, it was just the only thing I was thinking about that I didn't mention when we were talking, you were talking about how you like pitched the character to me Mm. way back when. And I, I listening to him now, he's definitely those things, but he's got uh, right before I recorded the first episode, my boyfriend loves um, airbender and we rewatched the legend of Korra and he's like, there's so much of Varric in this, in this character and I can't get oh, rid of it. I'm not, even, I'm not mad about it at this point, but uh, um, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. there's a whole lot of, of a love letter so to Varric and that, that, at, well, God, what's his name? My brain just fried the actor. John you Michael know. Higgins. Yeah. Yes. John Michael Higgins. Yep. Who's so <laughs> gosh darn funny. Um, so mm-hmm. that's all. That's what I, he's a blast to play. Uh, and thank right. you for letting he's me play. He's a blast to write. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And um, the, my boyfriend, the astronaut, uh, is definitely 100% a real person. Are you sure? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that you believe he's real. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, will, I will kick off shout outs. Um, you know, as always, uh, I like to end the show with this because a lot of people work on the show and only a couple of them got to join me today. Um, so I have two double shout outs today. Um mm. One of them is a shout out to Scott Tofty and Zach Luna as uh, Joel Vickers and Max Carmichael for their scene. Um, I could just listen to them all day. I was just cracking up. I love their their dynamic. 
Um, and also uh, Nathan Gershwin and Dr. Medina, just like the, you know, with uh, with Tofty's kind of like villainy piano theme underneath. And it was just uh, just really menacing and awesome. And, you know, Billy's like, he just shook off the prison break and is off his game. And it was just, uh, mm-hmm. it was really cool. I, I love that scene. That scene was like my favorite to write, I think, in this episode. Um, that scene between them when uh, when when Billy is getting a drink um, and uh, Nathan steals it, uh, and I, I think I think what I love about that scene so much is like one, I loved writing it. They're both so swarmy and they're just like out, trying to out swarmy each other, um, and it's it's the best. But uh, also, like I, you know. Nick, Nick and Brian, uh, they're doing such different things in their performances, but uh, you know, I, and I think this is a testament also to Ray's direction, but um, you know, it, it just, it flows so well. And there was like, there's interesting things about, about the way that Nick performs um, as Billy, where he puts in these little weird pauses here and there. And it's great for me in sound design, especially when he's supposed to be doing something, because mm-hmm. I get to like put in sound effects where those pauses are. Like he's, he's like concentrating on something else. And so, like, when he's building his drink at the beginning and talking and making these awkward pauses, I'm punctuating the pauses with him like dropping ice in and what, you know, <laughs> whatever. And it, and it adds to his performance and makes it all feel like a living, breathing person. Um, who is, you know, making a drink angrily and, uh, and it's awesome. It looks, it works so well. So, um, I love that. Um, I just, I, I, I love, I think, I think, uh, Madison powers is just so much fun in this episode. And yeah. I, I think Natalie is just doing such a great job. And I think flustered, overwhelmed, angry Madison is just like my favorite thing to listen to. And yeah, we're just so lucky to have her on the team. Yeah. I want to shout out Zach Luna really gave an amazing performance for this episode. So yes. hundred percent. Every single line. Zach's the best. It was gold. I, I have been obsessed with Naomi since the beginning and just, just the way she flies through her lines without making anything like she, it's crystal clear. The intention, she's so good. And she's got this, like this energy that's so consistent and I'm obsessed with it. Um, and I know, I know Scott talked about it too, but I'm also, I really love Nick's performance. I know he's right here and he has to hear me talk about him in real time. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so good and it's so dynamic and there's a harshness to Billy that I know is, isn't there in Nick, um, that I really, really like listening to. It's very cool. Man. And the thing about Naomi that kills me too, every time is that like, she is whatever the opposite of Lorelai is in real life. (laughs) Like she is so chill and talks very slowly and specifically and like chooses, seems like she chooses what she's saying very carefully, not anything like Lorelai. And then she plays Lorelai and she just becomes like a firecracker. And I, I, it's, it's a testament to her acting. I think is that Lorelai is so different from her personality wise that it's, it's kind of insane. Um, so yeah, definitely. I also uh I wanna I wanna shout out uh Billy because uh Billy, you're playing everybody's favorite character this season. 
Uh, like, <laughs> at, like everyone is talking about how much they love Leo. And I just want to get, I, I, I think that um, it's a testament to your acting that, I mean, the scene, the main scene that Leo is in, in this episode, we gave you so many words, <laughs> so many All the words. costumes, so mm-hmm. many words. And you, you flew through it exactly how I pictured it in my head. And um, I just, I was, I was really amazed when I got back that scene from Ray and I was like, God damn it. He just <laughs> nailed this. It was so good. Oh, thank you so much. Oh dear. Yeah. Is, it's uh, it's it's really good because you bounce between moods like within like you know three sentence fragments you'll be <laughs> Leo will be in like three different moods and uh, they all work perfectly. Um, I just you you really nailed this character. Thank you. Uh, he's I mean I've said it like eight times, but he's so much fun. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like you're having fun. Like it, I yeah, you can tell. Oh yeah. I just, it gets so excited, especially this one when I was like, I think that was, I think maybe you were like, oh, here's, he's going to have all this stuff to do. And I just was like, oh, look at these paragraphs. Um, There's a few, I mean, there were a few where I just like stumbled over myself, but yeah, it was, I was very happy to have as much mouth running as I got. That was a blast. That whole scene was my favorite thing I've done on this season so far. The costume scene. Oh, that's great. That was great. (laughs) That's great. Um, I also want to- Time Lord Sheik. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I also want to give a shout out to Jay, uh, Jay Malone, um, who mm. plays Victor. I think he is uh, really great in this episode. Um, he was almost in this beyond, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think it'll be, he'll be better suited for a later episode in the season. Um, but uh, I, I just think he's so good in this episode. In you know, Jay is just such a, a, a warm guy, and he, can, he puts that so easily into... Uh, uh, Victor and um, you know all of the stuff that we because we gave him a lot of heavy stuff to work through in uh, that first scene that he's in mm-hmm. and um, I mean it just you know he goes from having to you know forgive Simon to getting a robot body <laughs> um, <laughs> and the, the the sort of exuberance of that um, and then also gets to to crack some really like dry jokes in the rest of the episode and um yeah he's just he's so good in this episode and uh i'm excited for you guys to see what else he's got in store um for later episodes so it was very interesting to hear you suggest that i should uh wait for jay Mm -hmm. uh, i'm excited there's some some good victor stuff coming up oh yeah yeah we're i'm just so i'm just really excited (laughs) for everyone to listen to next the next episode Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting I'm 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 finale. I'm glad you you had the convention talk in this episode because next episode we're gonna have so much to talk about <laughs> so that uh, that it's like this it's gonna feel like there was no story in this episode when you hear the next episode. Um, the next That's episode, the episode is that I lost my voice recording for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This wow. week is very this week is very much like the calm before the storm or sort of. Uh, everyone's on the chessboard now for the first time. It feels time. like that. Like things are kind of coming together and mm-hmm. yeah, writing. We're glad that that was, that <laughs> happened. Uh, writing the script to the next episode and um, just to pre- emotionally prepare everybody <laughs> writing the script for the next episode and then listening or listening to the table reading of, of the next episode um, was the first time that I've ever been moved to tears 
working on this show. Yeah, the table read for next week's episode was like a really special experience. Yeah. For, for- um, <laughs> especially considering I would I would say three quarters of the people involved in the table read didn't know what was coming, uh, and they were discovering it as we went into the table read, uh, and 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 yeah, so people people are in for it next week. Um, it's uh, it's it's a big episode. It's, fun. it's a big big episode. Yeah. I'm really excited. The long con. All right. Um, I want to say thank you again to uh, all of my guests today: Scott, Nick, Ray, Billy. For joining me, um, and thank you to all of you the fans, the underdogs, for listening today. If you would like to support the show, please join the Dueling Genre Patreon at duelinggenre.com support. You'll also get access to classic Geek by Night episodes, scripts, and other behind-the-scenes materials, as well as bonus content from some of Dueling Genre's best shows. You can also tell your friends, families, and followers to subscribe to Geek by Night on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Finally, if you like our show, please leave a positive rating for us on iTunes. And stay tuned for the next episode on December 13th, The Long Con, which will be our mid-season finale. Thank you so much for going Beyond Geek by Night with us. Have a super day. Super day.